Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Do they employ people on staff simply, like, their job is to break something? I downloaded, I, I didn't even mean to do it. Yesterday, after I wrapped up the show, I saw the icon, and then I, I shut down the laptop, and it just reopened, and now I've lost the the bar on the bottom. What's it called? Where all of the icons sit for, like, here's how you open up the internet, and you got all your little shortcuts down at the bottom, you know, your little one-click icons at the bottom. It has your start menu down there. I can't, there's no start. It's gone. All of it's gone. I knew something was wrong, like, I don't know, six months ago when the last update was sent down, or maybe it was two updates ago, and my screen would just stay black for like five, six, seven minutes at boot up. And no, it's not a memory issue. So, like, they, they got to employ people at Microsoft that they just break stuff. Like, that's their job. All right, hey, you got a pretty good uh, update going, so I'm going to go ahead and Insert this code right here to break a whole bunch of uh, laptop touchscreens or something. Good Lord. Anyway, so uh, I'm not going to have the email open because <laughs> I can't open the Internet. Well, I can't open the Brave browser because I can't, I can't get to it. Even none of the function keys work except the uh, help key, the F1. So that, that opens up, what is this, the, is this, is this Microsoft's? Is this Edge? I guess that's what it is. Just awful. Um, all right. So anyway, I didn't know. I did not plan to start the program. It's just I got to tell you, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get to my emails here. I got my phone here, so I can get to the the tweets. So if you're on Twitter, you can send me something at Pete Callender. But we're going to have to just go, you know, phone line seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. Um, the audio. Is available. Oh my gosh, I can't even minimize this stuff. Because if I minimize the screen, it goes completely away. It just disappears because there's no. Oh my gosh, this is so bizarre. Okay, um, I do have audio from yesterday's like five hour hearing uh, at the uh, House Judiciary with the FBI Director Christopher Ray, who would not confirm the presence of. Confidential Human Sources, or CHS, Confidential Human Sources, at the Capitol riot on January 6th, would not confirm or deny. Here's the exchange between uh, Christopher Ray and Congressman Daryl Issa. How many individuals were either FBI uh, employees or people that the FBI had made contact with were in the January 6th uh, entry of the Capitol and surrounding area. 
So I, I really need to be careful here talking about uh, where we have or have not used confidential human sources. Was there one January or more? Was there one or more individuals that would fit that description on January sixth that were in or around the Capitol? I, I believe there is a uh, a filing in one of the January sixth cases that can provide a little more information about this, and I'm happy to see if we can follow back up with you. I, I just want that. an yeah. answer. Was there one or more? I mean, you would know if there was at least one individual who worked for the FBI. Who, who entered the Capitol on that day? Uh, I can't, again, I just can't speak to that here, but I'm happy to get the court filing. Well, look, it's that been two years, and you're now, you're now come before us. The gentleman asks these questions, makes all kinds of insinuations, and you, you nod your head yes, and then I ask you simply, was there one or more? And you won't answer that. So I'm going to make the assumption that there was more than one, more than five, more than ten, and that you're ducking uh, the, the question because you don't want to answer for the fact that you had at least one and somehow missed understanding that some of the individuals were very dangerous and that there were others inciting individuals to enter the Capitol after others broke windows. So I'm just going to move on because I think it is time to move on past January 6th. I just, uh, seems that the other side won't. No, we, we, no, we will never move past January 6th. It's never, ever, ever going to happen, ever. The left and the media, but I repeat myself, will never move past it. It will always be used as proof of Republicans' fascism and violence and whatever else they needed to be proof of. The FBI director insisted that nobody associated with the Bureau instigated any of the violence that happened. On January 6th, the Washington Times exclusively reported yesterday that an FBI whistleblower disclosure sent to the Judiciary Committee revealed that Deputy Director Paul Abate told subordinates that at least 25 informants were at the J6 Capitol riot, but were too problematic or embarrassing for the FBI to have their existence made public. That's the Washington Times. FBI whistleblower says 25 informants, minimum 25 informants, but these individuals are too problematic or embarrassing, so the FBI does not want their existence made public. And that seems to be what Christopher Ray is, is doing right there, right? George Hill, a whistleblower from the FBI's Boston field office, testified in May before the Judiciary Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government that agents inside or agents in Washington rather refused to share hours of video from the Capitol riot because there quote may be undercover officers or confidential human sources on the footage whose identities could be compromised. Which leads me to Ray Epps. Ray Epps is suing. Ray Epps is a former Trump supporter who was at the Capitol January 6th when the riot happened. In fact, he was there a day early. Now, I've covered Ray Epps and his uh, testimony in the past. He has now filed a lawsuit against Fox News. <laughs> well, yeah, I th I'm not sure. It says Fox News host Tucker Carlson. He... He's accused 
of uh, promoting the unfounded theory that Epps was an undercover federal agent who entrapped Trump supporters by encouraging them to trespass at the Capitol, which he did, by the way. The night before, the day before, he he was in D.C. They had this like pre-J6 gathering going on. There were people out milling around and stuff and gathering. And he was out there telling people, you know, we need to go into we need to go into the building. He was the day before he was already stirring that up. And uh, when confronted with this, he said, uh, you know, oh, I was just wrong about that. I was caught up in the moment or whatever, but I, I was not encouraging. I thought we could just go in. But his comments were perceived by people at the time as proof that he's a fed. At the time, they were calling, they were chanting at him, Fed, Fed. <laughs> so this isn't something that uh, Tucker Carlson made up or Fox News made up. And the fact that Ray Epps has never been charged, he attributes to the fact that he cooperated after the fact. After the fact. Just as Fox, this is from the lawsuit, uh, or sorry, the New York Times, just as Fox had focused on voting machine companies when falsely claiming a rigged election, Fox knew it needed a scapegoat for January 6th. The complaint first reported by the New York Times reads, it settled on Ray Epps and began promoting the lie that Epps was a federal agent who incited the attack on the Capitol. Look, he did help incite the 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 storming of the, the barricades and the breaking into the building. He did help to instigate that. He absolutely did. It's on video. We all see it. He appears in a video taken on January 5th, encouraging fellow Trump supporters to enter the Capitol the next day. And in fact, the day of when they're marching to the Capitol, he's directing people to the Capitol. We need to march this way. Go to the Capitol. He's telling people where to go. But his story is that he cooperated with investigators and so was not prosecuted as a result, according to the FBI. Well, wait a minute. What was his cooperation level? He wasn't part of any organized group, right? He was he was there with his son. So what level of cooperation does he provide that gets him the ability to skate while other people who were there and did less than what he did? They don't get to skate. How are they not cooperating? What's their level of cooperation? Like what's he Like, what kind of intel does he have? He's just some guy, right, that showed up and and directed people and was egging them on and all of that. But he he escapes any kind of prosecution, any kind of charges because he's cooperating, quote unquote. Carlson and other prominent right wing voices have argued that Epps may have escaped prosecution because he helped stage manage the insurrection as an undercover agent. And he denies this. We'll get into more of the details Got some more audio from the hearing as well with Jim Jordan. All right, so right before the program started, let me just sidetrack real quick into this story. The Secret Service has concluded its investigation into the uh, the small bag of cocaine that was found at the White House. And they can't identify anybody. They have no suspect. Secret Service officials combed through visitor logs and surveillance footage of hundreds of individuals who entered the West Wing in the days preceding the discovery and were unable to identify a suspect. 
according to one of the sources. Investigators were also unable to identify the particular moment or day when the baggie was left inside the West Wing cubby near the lower level entrance where it was discovered. So they can't even narrow it down to a day. How about a week? Can you, can you give us like a month window maybe? Like has it been there for a couple years? I mean, I was joking when this was discovered. I was joking, hey, you know what? Maybe it was uh, from George W. Bush. But uh, now that might not actually be a joke. Right? It, it could have lasted all through. Well, no, it would not have lasted through Obama's term. That's for sure. Just a joke. It's actually, but it, see, but it has the element of truth to it because Obama talked about how he did all the coke. Anyway, um, they can't even, they can't even narrow this thing down to a month window or a week window. They can't tell you the day, like any kind of a window here. Come on, guys. Really? The second source uh, said that uh, the leading theory remains that it was left by one of hundreds of visitors to the White House who enter the West Wing for, uh, for tours. That's what they're going with. <laughs> they're still sticking with that story. Um, because they're asked to leave their phones inside the cubbies. The cubbies, where the small bag of cocaine was found, is a blind spot for Jeffrey Epstein's murder, I'm sorry, no, it's a blind spot for surveillance cameras, according to a source familiar with the investigation. So let me get this straight. I just want to be clear here. Somebody dropped a bag of Coke in the White House cubby room, and this is when you've just realized that the room is a blind spot for your surveillance cameras, and this is also the place where people from the public just walk in and and deposit items in the White House to be left unattended for long periods of time. And that precise location is a blind spot. There's not a single camera that captures this area where people are leaving unattended items in the White House. This is your story. I'm not sure. <laughs> you know what? I think I think this is actually the truth. You know why? Because who the hell would come up with such a stupid story? It's either that or the same writers who, who did the Epstein thing. They're like, let's just do this one again. It's just a rehash. Oh, and before I forget, have you got your ticket to the Heritage Life Skills event yet? I'll be there. The annual event is put on by Carolina Readiness Supply, and you can learn all sorts of ways to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables. I'll be there Saturday evening. Check out the schedule at carolinareadiness.com. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness can help you. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? But you can hit me up on Twitter, because I got that on my phone, at Pete Calendar, Um, where I got this from Scott. It's a Pete tweet. Scott says, so good news, it appears that they cannot pinpoint who brought the Coke into the White House. 
that right? They cannot. The Secret Service announcing they have concluded their probe and they know nothing about how Hunter's cocaine made it into the White House. The most secure building on Earth, Scott says, yet they can't find any evidence or video footage. What a steaming pile of dog poop. Biden White House is lying. What a joke. Right? I, I don't I don't think the story that they're going with unless look, maybe this is maybe this is like really really good strategy in that you come up with such a stupid cover story that makes you look terrible. And this way, no one would doubt that you would make up such a stupid, embarrassing cover story. Maybe that's what's going on here. That's like three-dimensional thinking, you know, right there. I, at, which, you know, at which point, you just got to tip your cap. Because I, 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 I'm just speechless at, at, at this cover story. that The investigation into the cocaine tells us that it was... That it was in an unsurveilled area. And the unsurveilled area is the place where people walk in off the street for the White House tours. And they they turn over electrical devices and leave them in this area. Right now, you know there's a whole bunch of like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Russian, Chinese, Iranian, Venezuelans, like, you know, there's a whole bunch of our enemies that are out there that are just kicking themselves, not even thinking like, God, I should have just gone on a White House tour and left the left the the, the phone bomb in the cubby. Right. Because that's what I mean, Oh, maybe they've got drugs uh, or bomb sniffing dogs. I have never been to the White House, so I don't I mean, I've been past the White House. I've never gone on the tour. It was closed. When I went, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I was very, very young, and we walked past it. I've been, we, I've been to D.C. and been to other things, but never did the, uh, never did the White House tour. I missed a good opportunity when, um, yeah, I missed a good opportunity when uh, you know uh, Mark Meadows was up there, and I was working out in Asheville. I probably could have gotten a good tour <laughs> in the White House then, but uh, now nah, I just let the let it slip by. Let it slip by. Let me go over here to the phones. Here's Mitch. Hello, Mitch. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey. Hi, man. How are you today? Uh, I'm all right. Hey, Pete. I think all of these agencies, uh, FBI, DOJ, Intel, and now the Secret Service, they've all just decided to tell us all to pound sand. They're going to do whatever they want to do. And they, they, they don't even care if we know the stories are ludicrous or that what they've done is obvious. I think they're to the point of just telling us, so what? We're going to do whatever we want to do. It does, um, yeah, it does carry that that particular odor, doesn't it? It does, brother. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right, Mitch, I appreciate it. Yeah. At some point, you're like, this is your story you're telling me? Is it for all these years, for how long people have been entering the White House and could have discarded any number of items in this cubby area and nobody ever once, I mean, think about this also, like there has never been anything dropped in this area before that has ever warranted anybody to ever say, Hey, we need to find out whose item this is. Never once has anything ever been placed in this area or a person gone into the area. Never. 
Yeah, I have way more questions about this story now. The cubbies where the small bag of cocaine was found is a blind spot for surveillance cameras. While there's surveillance around where the bag was found, cameras are not trained directly on the West Wing cubbies near the lower level entrance where it was discovered, making it difficult to identify who left the bag behind. Because after all, why would you ever need to identify you know, who left something in the area where people are coming in off the street and leaving things in the area? Specifically in that area. This is this is ridiculous. The White House Secret Service did not immediately respond to a request for comment. CNN previously reported that cocaine was found in a cubby near the ground floor entrance where staff led tours of the White House passed through on their way into the building. Visitors entering uh, four tours are asked to leave their phones in these cubbies, which can also be used by staff who cannot bring their phones into a skiff or sensitive compartmented Information facility, which is where classified materials are held. The cubbies are located near the Situation Room, which has not been used for months due to ongoing renovations. Oh, so maybe it could have been a worker. Maybe a worker. You know, they're trying to meet deadlines, so they just did a couple of bumps or something, you know, whatever. The discovery of a powdery substance by the Secret Service personnel conducting routine rounds of the building had prompted a brief evacuation. Okay, so routine rounds didn't even turn this up. You still don't. So Secret Service is doing routine rounds down past the Situation Room, which is under renovation. And they never saw the bag of Coke until the day they found it on, what, Sunday? That's when they found it? So did they? when's the last time they walked past? When's the last time they looked in? Did they see a bag of Coke on Friday or on Saturday last week, last month, or has it been that long since they walked past? Or did the was it was it hiding someplace in the cubby? See what I mean? There's the, this this story. This story doesn't make sense to me. I guess I have an assumption here. I guess that's my fault. I have an assumption. I'm relying on an assumption that these people are actually somewhat adept at their jobs. So I that's okay. So that's my my mistake. My mistake. Either that. Or Jeffrey Epstein planted the cocaine. That's possible, too. Why not? Why not? I'm going to get back to Ray Epps in a minute. We'll never know. We'll never know who left the baggie, less than a gram of cocaine, in a locker at the White House. They have no leads, no idea. If it was an official, if it was a staffer, if it was a visitor, no idea. None whatsoever. The video cameras don't point in that direction. No video. They've gone through the logs. Nobody apparently acknowledges that it was their Coke that they brought in. So, oh, well. Greg, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Greg? Hey, good, Pete. How are you? Good. What's going on? So, I was going to... You know, Rand, say if this was Donald Trump, you know, it'd be swarmed by uh, Secret Service, FBI, CIA, everybody in the in the federal, uh, you know, disciplinarians. But uh, as I thought about it a little further, maybe this is a distraction technique to take away from all the failures of the Biden presidency, the failure at the border, failure in economics, failure on a plethora of with, you know, foreign adversaries. I mean, it just seems like to me it's kind of a smoke screen. It's like, 
oh, look at this shiny thing over here and don't pay attention to what we're doing over there. So, and I'll let you, uh, right. So here's the, here's the only, here's the only uh, flaw I think in the, in the hypothetical or the, 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 the the theory is that it is itself a failure, right? The Coke story is a failure. And now this quote resolution is also a failure. And so I don't know if the failure distracts from failure. (laughs) isn't Isn't it, um, isn't it just absolutely just a perfect, you know, scene in a movie that the cameras saw everything else except that one little area? Mm-hmm. Right. I it mean, was the same camera installation crew that set up the cameras at the jail where uh, Epstein died. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of pitch perfect, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, but I don't know if this, like, the, the idea that it's meant to distract us, but... There are so many different failures. Like, I would think that they would try to distract us with something positive. I think that's what that Bidenomics thing was all about, you know? Uh, but that yeah, didn't do the I, trick. I think he's going to be regretful that he ever named it Bidenomics. <laughs> I think it's going to come back to Biden. But yeah. just remember, Pete, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. That's and true. Off of that. That's true. All right, Greg, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you. Uh, this is from Russ. A couple of messages. Uh, the cocaine wrap-up is another example in a long line uh, where we're left with only two explanations. The first being they don't care, they're not going to pursue the truth, and the people don't deserve an explanation, right? That's the first path. Or they are so incompetent at a core mission of the job that they simply can't do it. So again, corrupt or incompetent. And Russ says, I'm leaning more and more towards corrupt. Um. Back to the uh, uh, the FBI uh, director's appearance at the House Judiciary Committee. I'm going to pick this up in the next uh, uh, hour as well because I've got I've got more audio, and we're going to get into the movie Sound of Freedom as well. Um, will the Democrat not, uh, committee members of the previous January 6th investigation be representing Ray Epps and running cover for him in his Fox lawsuit like they did when he testified before the committee? That's a good question. That's a good question. They were all. Um. Yeah, they were all they were all like, "We love you, Ray." And uh, how what's it been like for you since you've had to had to deal with all these crazies? And that's what he's saying in the um, in his lawsuit that since uh, he was identified, and I don't think Fox was the first one to identify him. I think it was actually Revolver News that uh, that ID'd the guy. But this was crowdsourced. Remember when the left was going? The left is still doing this, by the way. These lefty accounts—they're still doing this. They, they're out there trying to ID all of the people in the J6 crowd so they can get arrested, so they can get they can get punished. And so when this guy's photo was up and they had him identified, I forget what they call him, like like Red Hat or something like that. Well, I guess they couldn't do that because everybody had a Red Hat. But he was, um, he was ID'd. They had little nicknames for all of them. And then pretty quickly his picture came down off of the, the FBI website. And so that prompted questions like, well, where did this guy go? Because he wasn't arrested. So then the righties figured out who he was, if I remember correctly. And then the story took on uh, sort of a life of its own after he was ID'd by, uh, I think it was Revolver News originally. And then, yes, it got amplified by Fox News. And then after that, Ray Epps got harassed. He got death threats. They say he was uh, forced to... Uh, higher security. He had to give up his business. He had to sell his home. He fled to live in isolation in another state. 
facing financial ruin, loss of income, loss of earning capacity, uh, suffering, mental and physical, mental anguish, public humiliation, anxiety, loss of sleep and loss of appetite. He's suing Fox in Delaware, the same place Dominion won their suit. (laughs) 